0: Welcome to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. In our last message in our series, The Battle Belongs, we look at an account when Jesus heals two people. We will discover that we have to trust him and not be afraid in our lives with him. That we've been following the story of Israel And as David would become king, right? And we we began to recognize that that even though Israel decided to go a different way than God wanted to go, God was faithful. And God began to insert himself into the different uh, interactions and the different things of their nation and of their life together, right? We started all the way back in in Samuel where we we began to understand that Israel said, we want a king. And God said, hey, no, I'm your king. Remember? You're my people. And if you get a king, you're going to get all this. Your envy that you have, your comparison, is going to keep you from living the life that I have made for you, right? You remember that? It was about five weeks ago, I think. Y'all have memories that long? And then the second week, we find that God changed his mind. He just doesn't leave Israel. He actually comes alongside them and says, okay, now that you've had your your first king and you've recognized how bad it is, I'm going to be a part of this. I'm going to be a part of the crowning of David. And David, of course, is this, well, he's the youngest of his family. He's not from an affluent family. He's not from an influential family. He's a shepherd completely opposite of what israel was looking for in a king and yet god anointed david we began to discover that god works in ways that we don't always look for sometimes we get stuck on the way that the world sees things our king needs to be big and tall and mighty and all these things and god says no i'm going to appoint this guy to be your king and we're surprised sometimes by that God works in ways that we're not used to. And we have to have a different vision on how God works, right? And then, as Pastor Dave shared with us, David comes up in front of Goliath. We little David. And he is the one who stands in front of him. Even though this battle has gone on for a long time. And what he says is the battle belongs to God. And the battle is not won by sword, even though at the end of the story, the battle is won by sword. And Pastor Dave shared with us that we don't have enemies. The enemy is sin. The enemy is death. The enemy is the things that every single one of us struggle with. And all throughout this, we've said that the battle belongs to God. We have to trust God. God is doing something, and we might not fully understand it at that point. When we want to compare ourselves, we have to to stop and say, okay, it's not time for me to do this. It's time for me to look to God and what he's going to do. I have to trust him. When we get to the point of saying, oh, I I can make the decision for myself, and I know what's good and what's wrong, we have to stop, and we have to look to God and say, oh, maybe he's going to work in a way that I'm not seeing in the moments that there are giants in front of us, that there are sins in our lives, that there are difficulties and sufferings and injustices, we have to look to God for the way to live. We're going to finish this series today by moving into an account with Jesus in the gospel of Mark. Because really, let's let's be honest. Sometimes when we look in the Old Testament we end up finding ourselves relating more with the failures of the people in the Old Testament than necessarily with what God is trying to share with us. And what Jesus is is Jesus is the fulfillment of the covenant of the Old Testament. All of it. And He is the very Word of God. The presence of God. He shows us who God is and He shows us what you and I are capable of. And so We're going to finish this series, The Battle Belongs, with a story of how Jesus addresses two very different circumstances, two very different battles. And today we're going to go into a little bit of some hypotheticals, of things that I think we could have probably done ourselves in this this situation, and how Jesus addresses them how Jesus still provides, how the battle belongs to God. So we're going to be in Mark chapter 5, beginning with verse 21. It's going to be on the screen for you if you don't have your Bible with you, but I always encourage you to open up your Bible or your phone app. It's good to write in the margins or or underline or whatever you would like to do to interact with it. Mark chapter 5, beginning with verse 21. Jesus crossed the lake again, and on the other side, a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Jairus, one of the synagogue leaders, came forward, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet and pleaded with him, my daughter is about to die. Please come and place your hands on her so that she can be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A swarm of people were following Jesus, crowding in on him, and the, a woman was there who had been bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a lot under the care of many doctors and had spent everything she had without getting better. In fact, she had gotten worse. Because she had heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his clothes. She was thinking, if I can just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Her bleeding stopped immediately, and she sensed in her body that her illness had been healed. At that very moment, Jesus recognized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? His disciples said to him, don't you see the crowd pressing against you? Yet you ask who touched me? But Jesus looked around carefully to see who had done it. The woman, full of fear and trembling, came forward. Knowing that what had happened to her, she fell down in front of Jesus and told him the whole truth. And he responded, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace, healed from your disease. While Jesus was still speaking with her, messengers came from the synagogue leader's house, saying to Jairus, your daughter has died. Why bother the teacher any longer? But Jesus overheard their report and said to the synagogue leader, Do not be afraid. Just keep trusting. He didn't allow anyone to follow him except Peter, James, and John, James' brother. And they came to the synagogue leader's house, and he saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, What's all this commotion and crying about? The child isn't dead. She is only sleeping. They laughed at him, but he threw them all out. Then taking the child's parents and his disciples with him, he went to the room where the child was. Taking her hand, he said to her, Talitha kum, which means young woman, get up. Suddenly the young woman got up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old, and they were shocked. He gave them strict orders that no one should know what had happened. And then he told them to give her something to eat. Would you pray with me? God, we give you thanks for your word. We give you thanks for your son. And as we begin to to look at this passage, would would your voice speak loudly? May our ears and our hearts and our minds be open to what you have for us today. And we ask this in your name. Amen. This account... Is, is, is just filled with meaning. But the way that we should probably address this is how different these two individual people are. We're introduced to Jairus. He's a synagogue leader. You know what that means? He has. He has what he needs. He has influence in the world. He has power in the world. He helps people come to God. He helps dictate how they are to worship God correctly. He is bound by the laws of old. This man is not in any way as uncomfortable as this woman is. This woman doesn't even have a name. Do you notice that? We don't get her name. All we know is that she has been with, strapped with this physical condition for 12 years. For 12 years. Now, if you, it, it's, it means that, that's, that this condition isn't going to kill her. It hasn't killed her yet, right? But actually, it sort of has. You see, her particular ailment finds her bleeding. And blood in this day was seen as impure. And if you were impure, you could not go worship, and you could not be next to people, and you could not be in the presence of other people. In fact, her entire social life, her religious life, her life was not much other than just being there. And I think it's really important for us to recognize that her condition isn't what marginalized her? Just like when you or I have some type of condition, we do, not start, we do not start withholding love from each other. No, the thing of it is is that the thing that kept her on the sidelines, that marginalized, was the people who enforced the law. It was not her physical condition. It was the, the society that they lived in. And the interesting part is is that Jairus may have been one of the very individuals that said to her, no, you cannot come into the synagogue. Think about that for a second. I don't know if that's true or not, but they're on very different terms coming to Jesus. So what is the one thing that brings them together? They see Jesus as their last hope. Jairus sees Jesus as the last hope to help his daughter. If he just comes and places his hands on her before she dies, she will live. And I want you to keep this in mind. Time is of the essence in Jairus' mind. Every single minute, every single second that ticks by is a moment closer to his daughter's death. For the woman, this is her last hope. For 12 years, she has tried everything. She has given money, everything that she has to address this, to have a life again. And no one could heal her. They both turn to him. But in this moment, friends, in this brief interaction where their lives intersect, there are obstacles that they have to overcome. Or rather, there are obstacles that they have to give to Jesus, more so. If I was in Jairus' position, and this woman comes up and Jesus all of a sudden stops, you know what I'd be like? Jesus? Here, my daughter is dying. You need to help her now. We do not have time for this. I would do everything in my pot, in in my ability to fight for my daughter who is dying. This woman has lived with us for 12 years. You can come back to her. She's going to be, she'll be here tomorrow. And yet, Jesus stops. And he says, what is going on? I felt something leave me. I felt something happen among us, for the woman. This is 12 long years of not having a life. And she has to overcome everything that she's been taught. I have this condition. Therefore, I cannot go into this crowd and chase after Jesus. Actually, touching Jesus would make him unclean. Think about that for a second. All of the social standards, all the religious standards, all the gatekeepers would say, She is doing something wrong. So she has to overcome that fear an entire life of, well, quite frankly, it's abuse. It's abuse to withhold somebody from God. And so she does, she goes, I'm gonna take my life into my hands. And in this moment, as Jesus turns around we find out that she's afraid. I'm healed, but now I'm afraid because now he's calling me out. I don't know, what if... Everybody knows who I am. Everybody knows... Everybody's treated me a certain way my entire life. If I speak up, somebody might say, the impure woman touched the teacher. She quietly resigns to the faith that got her there in the first place. So this is me. And Jesus says, daughter, you are healed. Go and live your life. See, the blessing isn't just the healing. The blessing is the very God of the entire world says you're a daughter. And everything that you were before you're still my daughter. There's, there's nothing. You're worth everything to me. But she needed to hear the fact that as she is healed, that there is no one in that crowd that can take away the identity that God has given to her daughter. And all the while, I guarantee you, there was a temptation by Jairus. Seeing all this happen to say, my daughter's more important than this. Just like Israel would say, what do you mean they have a king? I need a king. See, when we begin to compare, we begin to lose sight that God is God and he does things as he does things. and He does things in his own time and we begin to stop trusting him. fear can grip us in such a way that we begin to say i am more important i and i'm going to go and fight for this at whatever cost it means to others thankfully jairus doesn't do this I'm an I told you so person. If I tell you something and then you disagree with me and then something happens that happens exactly the way that I said it, you know what goes on in my brain? Told you so. I don't always say it. I've gotten a lot better about it. You can ask my wife. But there's, there's moments where it just slips out. Told you so. <laughs> if I was Jairus in this moment, I would have just been Livid, And I would have just let Jesus know how mad I was. See, if you just would have listened to me, my daughter wouldn't have died. But none of that happens. Jesus heals the woman and then turns to Jairus upon hearing the worst news a parent can receive. And he says this. He says this. He says, don't be afraid, just keep trusting. Don't be afraid, just keep trusting. How many times have I needed to hear those words? not even just from Jesus, just from somebody who I love or I want to be in a relationship with. Don't be afraid. Just keep trusting. Because let's really be honest. When we get afraid, we go to battle. We begin to think through all the ways that we can get what we desire or what we deserve or what we see as being fair or just. It's as big as Israel asking God for a king and saying, it's not fair we don't have a king and just a God. (laughs) I know that sounds nuts, right? But that's exactly where they were. It can be as big as that, and it can be as small as a conversation between you and a family member where you feel like you're misrepresented, and you know what? I ain't gonna tell you what I believe or feel, and you're gonna hear about it. We begin to fight with them to the point where we stop seeing the people and maybe some of the things that we are saying, right? We get so angry. It's as big as nations in modern warfare basically fearing a power that is getting too big for its britches, and we need to make sure that we're still the best. And we go into wars. It can be as small, As a five-year-old and a three-year-old. Bickering because the three-year-old was playing with that toy. They start fighting. In all of this, friends, Jesus says what we need to hear about our relationship with God and when we begin to live our lives, not just with him, but with other people. Don't be afraid. Just keep trusting me. I'm going to do something here in the time that I see fit. And it might not be the outcome that you like. I guarantee you, Jairus would have preferred Jesus to get there sooner and just to heal her before she died. Think of the anguish that he felt, think of the pain that he felt, the the grief. But that's giving in to that envy. That's giving in to that comparison. That's giving in to the, I don't trust you, God. Don't be afraid. Just keep trusting. There's one other angle, though, I want us to hear about this woman. This woman has such faith and trusts Jesus. He doesn't call her. He goes to her or him. She goes to him. Yeah, pronouns. She goes to him at the risk of major social taboos being broken here. At the risk of all of this, of being made the center of attention in this moment. And we recognize that sometimes trusting God is participating with him. She initiates. And a life of faith isn't just sitting back and saying, okay, God, I'm waiting for you to do everything. Sometimes it is going with Jesus and walking with him and giving ourselves to him for him to work through. That's what she does in this moment. That's what David did against Goliath, everybody. It's not that David goes up there because he's necessarily wanting to face a giant little short David. Let's do this. No, 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 no. It's because God has called him forward. God, we participate with God in his work in this world. And so when we hear the battle belongs, we might think, oh, it's just passive. No, sometimes it's we're going to be active because God has called us to do this. So, to sum this entire series up, when we say the battle belongs, it means trusting Jesus Christ and the life that he has for us. And it's not as complicated as we like to make it. The battle belongs means leaning into his presence and his will, regardless if it's our desires. Or, our t- or the timing that we want. It's when Jesus says, Hey, love me and love your neighbor. But they were mean. They are terrible. I have suffered from them. Don't be afraid. Just keep trusting. Forgive. Love. But what if I am treated horribly by this or that? Don't be afraid. Just keep trusting, love and forgive, and be a peacemaker. But I really want to get back at them. Don't be afraid. Just keep trusting me. The way of peace and the way of love is greater than this way of getting back at people. Jesus will give you, 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 me, everything that we need to live in the life he has for us. That doesn't mean you get everything you want, and that doesn't mean that life is free from grief and pain, but God will get you through the grief and pain, and show you how to love him and love others in the midst of that. And the battle belongs, comes back to the particular th- obstacles that we have to trust in God. That's really what this has been about whether it be Israel asking for a king because of all this, if you compare yourself, if you're continuously comparing yourself to other people and to other people's walks and other people's lives and you have envy for that, you will struggle to receive what God has for you and seeing that as being good enough. We see that as God talked to Samuel and said, no, not the firstborn, no, not the tall one, no, the short one the youngest in David. We can't lean upon what we have been taught by society or by our own lives or what we think to say that, oh, this is the way that we can judge the world. No, God works in people that we don't always expect. And at the moment that we write somebody off, we might miss what God is looking to do in this world. That is an obstacle that we can have just like Jairus could with this woman. And when there are powers and evils and things in this world that scare us to death, like giants or people who live differently than us, governments, family members, the moments that we begin to see the giant instead of Looking at what God has called us to be a part of and do, we will we'll we'll stop trusting Him and we will give in to our worst impulses as people. We will. See, the battle belongs is about giving these obstacles to God and trusting Him in the midst of it all. Amen. And in the moments that we're tempted. to not trust him because something's not happening in the timing that we want. Oh, may we look to him and not be afraid, and to trust him. Because God is the God of yesterday. He's the God of this moment. He's the God of tomorrow. He's bigger than all of us. He was, he's behind us. He is with us. He is before us. Trust him. And he will give you everything that you need to live out the life he has given to you, free from sin and free from death. And in a holy love that brings his kingdom to the world, friends. Don't be afraid. Just keep trusting. But God, loving my enemies is so difficult. I know. Don't be afraid. Just trust me do it. But God, I'm being treated unfairly at work. Don't be afraid. Just trust me and live in my love. But God, this sin that I have held so close to me for so long is a part of me. Don't be afraid. Trust him and give it to him. But God, this temptation to live in this way, don't be afraid. Just trust me battle belongs to me. I've got you. You are my son and you are my daughter. And I'm with you. I close with a story that happened to me when I was a kid. I think I've told this story before in a different context, but it's still just, it's very applicable in this moment. I I was with my family on a vacation moment and we were in a crowd and I was not as tall as I am today and I got separated from my family because that's what happens in a crowd, right? You ever go to an amusement park and you're like, don't lose my child or don't lose my spouse or don't lose the people who I'm with. It's terrifying. Go to Cedar Point. Uh, (laughs) Disney World. Ah! Um, I was at, this was the similar kind of context but I was young, and they, we got separated, and I was young, and I turned to a staff member, a responsible adult. I don't know this person, but they had a whatever lanyard name tag on, and I was nervous, because I didn't know where my family was. My family was my source of life or my source of relationship at that point and this kind person young individual kept calm and began to put out the the call in the park that hey there's a kid here and why don't you come pick up your kid <laughs> and in this moment if I go through the hypotheticals and knowing my own personality, I could have very easily done something different. One, I could have, you know what, I can find where they are and me as a five, six, seven-year-old running through the park trying to find, getting more loss, making the situation worse, right? I'll find them. I got it. mm. It's that arrogance. Instead of, In the moment, I actually humbled myself and sought help, right? And then as I stood next to this adult, I trusted them enough to hang out with this person who I did not know until my parents came and got me. I could have gotten afraid of that person. I could have run right off, like Macaulay Culkin does in all the Home Alone movies with adults. (laughs) I had to trust that adult. I couldn't give in to any fear that I might have. And the timing and, and all the things, it was all out of my control. And I began to wonder, how in the world did I do that? I remember I was a kid. And then I remember that Jesus says that the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Because kids have an immense amount of faith before all the rest of it hits us and we stop trusting and we stop having faith. We have to have faith like a kid. We have to trust that God really is who he says he is and he's going to provide for us, friends. In the moments that we think we're too, we're, we're, we can get this, I've got this, we'll start fighting the battle and hurt somebody or even hurt ourselves. In the moments that we think, I can figure this all out and I see things perfectly, we will miss what God might want to do in our lives. And if we become so impatient and so fearful in the timing, we might do some intense damage to ourselves or to others. So may we trust him and to love as he has loved us. For the battle belongs to our God. Thanks for listening to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. We hope you were inspired by this week's message. We'd love for you to join us on a Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We are located at 3924 High Street Northwest in Warren, Ohio. You can also join us on Facebook Live. For more information about our ministries, or if you'd like to contribute to our ministries online, visit us at championnaz.org.